0: Okay, so last time we came across a new idea, although it wasn't really new for a lot of you. And that was the idea of Nash equilibrium. What I want to do today is discuss Nash equilibrium, see how we find Nash equilibrium in some rather simple examples. And then in the second half of today, I want to look at an application where we actually have some fun and play a game, which I hope it's fun. All right, but let's start by putting down a formal definition. We only used a rather informal one last week. Uh, So here's a formal one. A strategy profile, remember a profile is one strategy for each player, so it's going to be S1 star, S2 star, all the way up to SN star, if there are N players playing the game. So this profile is a Nash equilibrium, and I'm just going to write NE in this class, the Nash equilibrium from now on, if for each i, so for each player i, her choice, so her choice here is SI star, that i is part of that profile, is a best response, is the best response to the other player's choices, the other player's choices. And of course, the other player's choices here are s minus i star. So everyone is playing a best response to everyone else. All right. Now, this is by far the most commonly used solution concept in game theory. So those of you who are interviewing for McKinsey or something you're gonna find that they're gonna expect you to know what this is, all right? So one reason for knowing what it is is because it's in the textbooks, it's gonna be used in lots of applications, it's gonna be used in your McKinsey interview. That's not a very good reason, right? And I certainly don't want you to, to, to jump to the conclusion that now we've got to Nash equilibrium, everything we've done up to now is somehow in some, some sense irrelevant, that's not the case. It's not always gonna be the case that people always play a Nash equilibrium. For example, when we played the numbers game, the game when you chose a number, We've already discussed last week, or last time, that the equilibrium in that game is for everyone to choose one, but when we actually played the game, uh, the average was much higher than that. The average was about 13. It is true that when we played it repeatedly, it seemed to converge towards one, but the play of the game when we played it just one shot, first time, wasn't a Nash equilibrium. So we shouldn't fall into the mistake of thinking people always play Nash equilibrium, or people, if they're rational, play Nash equilibrium. Neither of those statements are true. Nevertheless, there are some good reasons for thinking about Nash equilibrium other than the fact it's used by other people, and let's talk about those a bit. So, I want to put down some motivations here. All right, the first motivation we already discussed last time. In fact, somebody in the audience mentioned it, and it's the idea of no regrets. So, what is this idea? It says, suppose we're looking at a Nash equilibrium. If we hold the strategies of everyone else fixed, no individual i has an incentive to deviate, to move away. Right? so again, holding everyone else's actions fixed, no individual has any incentive to move away. And let me be a little bit more careful here. No individual has any strict incentive to move away. Right? We'll see that that actually matters. Right? So no individual can do strictly better by moving away. All right. No individual can do strictly strictly better by deviating, comma, holding everyone else fixed. All right. So why, what I call that no regret it means having played the game. Suppose you did, in fact, play a Nash equilibrium, and then you look back at what you've done, and now you know what everyone else has done, and you say, do I regret my actions? And the answer is, no, I don't regret my actions, because I did the best I could, given what they did. All right? So that seems like a, a fairly important sort of, central idea for why we should care about Nash equilibrium. Here's a second idea, and we'll see others arise in the course of today. A second idea is that a Nash equilibrium can be thought of as self-fulfilling beliefs. So, in the last week or so, we've talked a fair amount about beliefs. If I believe the goalkeeper is going to dive this way, I should shoot that way, and so on. All right. But of course, we didn't talk about you know, any beliefs in particular. These beliefs: if I believe that if everyone in the game believes that everyone else is going to play their part of a particular Nash equilibrium then everyone will in fact play their part of that Nash equilibrium, all right? Now, why, why, why is it the case that if everyone believes that everyone else is playing their part of of this particular Nash equilibrium, that that's self-fulfilling and people actually will play that way? Why is that the case? Anybody, yeah, can we we get uh, this guy in in red? Yeah? Um, Because your own Nash equilibrium strategy is the best response against those. Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's really, it's almost a repeat of the first thing. If I think everyone else is gonna play their particular, if I, if I think players two through N are gonna play S two star through SN star, then by definition, my best response is to play S one star, so I will in fact play my part of the Nash equilibrium. All right, good, good, all right. So as part of the definition, we can see these are self-fulfilling beliefs. Let's just remind ourselves how that arose in the example we looked at at the end last time. I'm not going to go back and reanalyze it, but I just want to sort of make sure that we followed it. So we had this picture last time in the the partnership game, in which people were choosing effort levels. And this this line was the best response for player one as a function of player two's choice. And this line was the best response of player two uh, as a function of player one's choice. All right, this is the picture we saw last time, and let's just look at how those, it's, it's, it's no secret here what the Nash equilibrium is, the Nash equilibrium is where the lines cross, but let's just see how it maps up to those, those uh, two motivations we just said. So how about self-fulfilling beliefs? Well, if player, sorry, I put a one, that should two. If player one believes that player two is going to choose this strategy, then player one should choose this strategy. If player one thinks player two is choosing this strategy, then, then player one should choose this strategy. If player 1 thinks player 2 is choosing this strategy, then player 1 should choose this strategy, and so on. That's what it means to be a best response. But if player 1 thinks that player 2 is playing exactly her Nash strategy, then player 1's best response is to respond by playing his Nash strategy. And conversely, if player 2 thinks player 1 is playing his Nash strategy, then player two's best response, indeed, is to play her now strategy. All right, so you can see that's a self-fulfilling belief. If both people think that's what's going to happen, that is indeed what's going to happen. All right, how about the idea of no regrets? So here's player one, she wakes up the next morning, or it was he, wasn't it? He wakes up the next morning and he says, I chose S1 star, do I regret this? Well, now he knows what player two chose, player two chose S2 star, and he says, no, that's the best I could have done. Given that player two did in fact choose S2 star, I have no regrets about choosing S1 star. That in fact was my best response. And notice that wouldn't be true at some other uh, outcome. So for example, if player, one, if, if player one had chosen S1 star, but player two had chosen some other strategy, let's say S2 prime, then player one would have regrets. Right? Player one would wake up the next morning and say, oh, I thought player one was going to play S2 star. In fact, she chose S2 prime. I regret having chosen S1 star. I would have rather chosen S1 prime, right? So only at the Nash equilibrium are the no regrets, right? Everyone okay with that? This is just revisiting really what we did last time and underlining these points. All right, so I want to spend quite a lot of time today just getting used to the idea of Nash equilibrium and trying to find Nash equilibrium. I'm going to turn off that projector that's in the way there. Is that going to upset the lights a lot? All right, so, okay, so uh, what I want to do is I want to look at some very simple games with a small number of players to start with and a small number of strategies, and I want us to get used to how we would find the Nash equilibria in those simple games. Okay, we'll start slowly and then we'll get a little faster. Okay, so let's start with this game. Very simple game with two players, each player. has three strategies. I'm not going to motivate this game, it's just some random game. Player one can choose up, middle, or down. And player two can choose left, center, and right. And the payoffs are as follows. 0-4, 4-0, 5-3, 4-0, 0-4, 5-3 again. 3, 5, 3, 5, and 6, 6. All right? So we could discuss, if if we had more time, we could actually play this game, but it isn't a particularly exciting game, so let's, let's leave our playing for later. And instead, let's try and figure out what are the Nash equilibria in this game and how we're going to go about finding them. And the way we're going to go out finding them is going to mimic what we did last time. Last time, we had a more complicated game, in which was two players with a continuum of strategies. And what we did was we figured out player one's best responses and player two's best responses. Player one's best response to what player two's doing and player two's best response to what player one's doing. And then we looked where they coincided, and that was the Nash equilibrium. And we're going to do exactly the same in this simple game here. So we're going to start off by figuring out what player one's best response Looks like, all right. So, in particular, what would be player one's best response if player two chooses left? What would be player one's best response if player two chooses left? Let's get the mics up so I can sort of uh, uh, um, challenge people. Anybody? Not a, not such a hard question. Do you want to try the the, the, the woman in the middle? Uh, who's closer to the woman in the middle? Yeah. Middle M. Uh, okay, so so uh, player one's best response in this case is middle, all right, because four is bigger than z- zero and is bigger than three, all right. So to mark that fact, what we'll, what we can do is let's put a circle, if like in green, let's put a circle round that round that four. Right, not hard, right? So let's do it again. What is player one's best response if player two chooses center? What is player one's best response if player two chooses center? Let's get somebody on the other side. Uh, uh, so, you should feel free to cold call somebody here. So, uh, just uh, how about cold call, how about cold calling the guy with the Yale football shirt on? Here we go. Up. All right. So up, up is the correct answer. All right, that's it. One, one triumph for Yale football. Okay, so all right, so so four is bigger than three, bigger than zero. All right, so good. Thank you. All right, and uh, Ali, why don't you do the same? Why don't you cold call somebody uh, who's going to tell me what's the best response for player one uh, to uh, to write down 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 down. Okay, okay, so. Uh, best response is down because six is bigger than five, which is bigger than five. I mean, six is bigger than five, okay? <laughs> All, right. All right, so what we've done here is we've found player one's best response to left, best response to center, and best response to uh, right, and in passing, notice that each of player one's strategies is a best response to, to something, so nothing would be knocked out by our domination arguments here, and nothing would be knocked out by our never a best response arguments here for player one. Okay. Okay, let's do the same for player two. So why don't I keep the mics doing some cold calling. So uh, why don't we say, don't, don't, do you want to cold call somebody at the back to tell me what is player two's best response against up? What's player two's best response against up? I'm struggling on that. Yeah, um. left. All right, so, so the gentleman in, in blue says left because four is bigger than three is bigger than zero. Let's uh, switch colors and switch um, polygons and uh, you know, put squares around these, okay? Right. I don't insist on the circles and the squares. If you have a thing for hexagons, you can do that too. Right? Whatever you want. All right, All right what's, uh, what's player two's, let's, let's write it in here, the answer. The answer was uh, that the best response was left. All right, and player two's best response to middle Uh, So, Merton, do you want to to grab somebody over there? Center. Shout it out. Center. All right, because because four is bigger than three is bigger than zero, so that's center. And in my color coding, that that gives me a square here. And finally, uh, player two's best response to down. And uh, your turn, Ali. let's grab somebody. Um, is, uh, left. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, right. Okay, right, okay, good, good, because 6 is bigger than 5 again, okay? So, so here we go. All right, so what we've done now is found player 1's best response function that was just the analogue of finding the best response line we did here. Here we drew it as a straight line in white, but we could have drawn it as a sequence of little circles in green. It would have looked like this, right? The same idea. We're not going to do the whole thing, right? We'll be a whole bunch of circles looking like this. And then we found player two's best response for each choice of player one, and we used pink rectangles, and that's the same idea as we did over here. Here we did it in a continuum strategy using calculus, which is the same idea. Uh, So imagine I'm drawing lots of pink rectangles, and again, I'm not going to do it, but you can do it in your notes, okay? All right, same basic idea. And just as the Nash equilibrium must be where these best response lines uh, coincided here, because that's the point at which each player is playing a best response to each other. All right, so the Nash equilibrium over here is, drum roll, do so you want to cold call somebody? Do you want to cold just, just grab somebody in the row behind you or something, whatever? Yeah? Anybody, anybody? All right, yeah, I think if you wear an Italia, Italia soccer shirt, you're gonna get, you, you get, get picked on. So, so okay, so what, what's the Nash equilibrium here? Uh, the bottom right square. All right, so the, so the down right square. So the Nash equilibrium here is no prizes. No World Cup for that one, is, is downright. All right? All right? So, why is that the Nash equilibrium? Because at that point, player one is playing a best response to player two, and player two is playing a best response to player one. All right? Now, I want to try and convince you, particularly those of you who are worried by the homework assignment, that that was not rocket science. All right. All right. It's not hard to find Nash equilibrium in games. All right? What well, didn't take us very long, and we went pretty slow, actually. All right. So let's look at another example. Oh, before I uh, do, notice that in, the, before I leave this game, let's make, make one other remark. Notice that in this game that uh, each strategy of player one is a best response to something, and each strategy of player two is a best response to something. So had we used the methods of the earlier on in the class, that's to say, deleting dominated strategies, or deleting strategies that are never a best response, we'd have got nowhere in this game, all right? All right, so Nash equilibrium has got us a little further in narrowing down our predictions, but it, we also learned something from that. We argued last time, and in the, in, in the last few weeks, that rationality, or even mutual knowledge of rationality, or even common knowledge of rationality, couldn't really get as much further than deleting dominated strategies, or if you like, deleting strategies that are never best responses. All right, so here we've concluded that the Nash equilibrium of this game is downright, a very particular prediction, But notice, a a perfectly rational player could here, could choose middle. The reason they could choose middle, player one could choose middle, is could be that if they say rationally, they should choose middle, because they think player two is choosing left. And And you say, well why would you think player two is gonna choose left? And player one could say, I think player two is gonna choose left because player two thinks I'm gonna play up. And then you say, but how could player two possibly think that you're gonna play up and then player one would say, I think player two thinks I'm going to play up because player two thinks that I think that he's going to play center. And then you could say, how could player two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you could see you could work yourself around a little cycle there. Nobody would be, be irrational about anything. Everything would be perfectly well justified in terms of beliefs. It's just we wouldn't have a nice uh, fixed point. We wouldn't have a nice point where it's a simple argument uh, I, uh, uh, in the case of downright. Player one thinks it's OK to play down because he thinks two is going to play right. And player two thinks it's OK to play be right because he thinks player one is going to play down. Right? So just to, just to underline what I'm saying rather messily there, rationality and that, that, those kind of arguments should not lead us to the conclusion that people necessarily play Nash equilibrium. All right? All right? We, we need a little bit more. We need a little bit more than that. Nevertheless, uh, we are going to focus on Nash equilibrium in the course. All right, let's have a look at another example. And again, we'll keep, keep it simple for now, and we'll keep to a two player, three strategy game up, middle, down, left, center, right. And this time the payoffs are as follows O2, uh, 02, 23, 43. 11, 1, 3, 2, 0, 0, 0, 3, 1, 0, and 8, 0. So this is a slightly messier game. The numbers were really just whatever came into my head when I was writing it down. And once again, we want to find out what the Nash equilibrium is in this game. And our method is exactly the same. We're going to for each player, figure out their best responses for each possible choice of the other player. So rather than write it out in a four, let me just go straight to my green circles and red squares, and uh, let me get my mics up again, all right, so we can cold call people a bit. All right, can we get the, uh, where's my uh, where's the mic? Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, so uh, uh, Ali, do you want to just grab somebody and ask them what's the best response against left? You can grab anybody. What's the best response against left? Middle. Middle, okay, good, good. So middle is the best response against left because 11 is bigger than zero. All right, uh, Merge, you want to get to grab somebody, what's the best response against center? Middle. Middle again, because three is bigger than, two is bigger than one. And uh, uh, take, grab somebody at the back and tell them what the best response is against right. Anybody, anybody, just uh, dive in, yep. Uh, down. Uh, okay, da- down, good. All right, and let's do the same for uh, the uh, column player. So what's the column player's, uh, 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 Ali, find, find somebody, take the guy who's two rows behind you who's about to fall asleep, and ask him, what's the best response to up? Um, the best response would be, sh- for which, which player? For player two. So what's, what's player two's uh, best response for up? Sorry, I'm going to pick, to. pick on someone else, that's right. Pick <laughs> What's the best response for up? Uh, C and R are tied. So C or R. All right, so this is a slightly more tricky one, right? The best response to up is either C or R. This is why we got you to sign those legal forms, right? Best response to up is either C or R. The best response to middle, uh, yeah? Center. Is center, thank you. And the best response to down? Left. All right, so the best ones to, to down is, is left. And here again, it didn't take us very long, we're getting quicker at this. The Nash equilibrium in this case is, the Nash equilibrium, let's go back to the guy who is asleep and uh, give him an easier question this time. So the Nash equilibrium in this case is? Nash equilibrium would be uh, the three two combination? The, exactly, okay, so the, 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 middle, the middle center. All right? And notice this is a Nash equilibrium. Why is it a Nash equilibrium? Because each player is playing a best response to each other. Right? If I'm player one and I think that player two is playing center, I should play middle. If I'm player two, I think player one is playing middle, I should play center. If, in fact, we play this way, neither person has any regrets. Notice they didn't do particularly well in this game. In particular, player one would have liked to get this 11 and this 8. right? But they don't regret their action because given that player two played center, the best they could have got was three, which they got by playing middle. Notice in passing in this game, notice in passing, that best responses needn't be unique, right? Sometimes there can be a tie in your best response, okay? That can happen. All right, so what have we seen? We've seen how to find Nash equilibrium, and clearly it's very closely related to the idea of best response, which is an idea we've been developing over the last week or so, all right? But let's go back earlier in the course and ask how does it relate to the idea of dominance, right? This is really our third concept in this course, right? We had a concept about dominance, we had a concept about best response, and now we're at Nash equilibrium. It's, I think, obvious how it relates to best response. It's when best responses coincide. How about how it relates to dominance? Well, to do that, let's go back. So what we're gonna do is, we're gonna relate Nash equilibrium to our idea of dominance, or of domination, all right? And to do that, an obvious place to start is to go back to a game that we've seen before. So here's a game where player one and player two are choosing alpha and beta, and the payoffs are 0, 0, 3 minus 1, minus 1, 3, and 1, 1, all right? So this is the game we saw the first time. This is the prisoner's dilemma, all right? And we know in this game, I'm not going to bother to cold call people for it. We know in this game that beta is dominated, is strictly, is strictly dominated by alpha. All right? So we, we learned the very first time. All right? Just to check. All right. So against alpha, uh, against alpha, alpha. Uh, choosing alpha gets you zero, beta gets you minus one, against beta, choosing alpha gets you three, beta gets you one. In either case, alpha is strictly better, so alpha strictly dominates beta, and of course, it's the same for the column player, since the game's completely symmetric. All right, so now let's find the Nash equilibrium in this game, I think we know what it's gonna be, all right, but let's just do it in a sort of uh, slow way, all right, so uh, the best response to alpha must be alpha, the best response to beta must be alpha, And for the column player, the best response to alpha, I was doing it in pink, wasn't I? The best response to alpha must be alpha. And the best response to beta must be alpha. Everyone okay with that? I'm just kind of I'm rushing it a bit because it's kind of obvious. Is that right? Okay. And so the Nash equilibrium in this game, the Nash equilibrium is alpha alpha. In other words, it's what we would have arrived at had we just deleted. Strictly dominated strategies. Right, so here's a case where alpha strictly dominates beta, and sure enough, Nash equilibrium coincides. It gives us the same answer. Both people choose alpha in this game. All right. So there's, nothing, there's no news here. I'm just checking that we're not getting anything weird going on. All right. So let's just be a bit more careful. All right, how do we know it's the case? So I'm, I'm going to claim it's the case that no strictly dominated strategy, in this case, beta, no strictly dominated strategy could ever be played in an Nash equilibrium. So I, you know, I claim we're, that's a good thing, right? Because we want, we want these ideas to coincide. I claim that no strictly dominated strategy could ever be played in an Nash equilibrium. Why is that the case? Yeah, there's a, there's a guy up here, yeah. A strictly dominated strategy isn't the best response to anything, so good. it couldn't be the best response to, to, the Na- to their playing the Nash equilibrium? Good, very good. So a strictly dominated strategy is never a best response to anything. In particular, the thing that dominates it always does better. All right. So in particular, it can't be a best response to the thing being played in Nash equilibrium. All right? So that's actually a very good proof. That proves that no strictly dominated strategy could ever be played in a Nash equilibrium. But now we have, unfortunately, a little wrinkle. And the wrinkle, the wrinkle, unfortunately, is weakly dominated, is, is weak domination. So we've argued, in fact it was fairly easy to argue, that no strictly dominated strategy is ever gonna reappear annoyingly in a Nash equilibrium. But unfortunately, the same is not true about weakly dominated strategies. And in some sense, you had a foreshadowing of this problem a little bit on the homework assignment, where you saw one of the pro- problems, I think it was the second problem on the homework assignment, that deleting weakly dominated strategies can lead you to do things that might make you feel a little bit uneasy. All right, so weak domination, weak domination is really not such a secure notion as strict domination. And we'll see here, it's a trivial example of that uh, in a game. So here's a trivial example, not an interesting example, but it just makes the point. So here's a two by two game. Player one can choose up or down. And player two can choose left or right. And the payoffs are really trivial. 1, 1, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0. So let's figure out what the Nash equilibrium is in this game. And I'm I'm not going to bother cold calling because it's it's too easy. So uh, the best response for player one, if player two plays left, is clearly to choose Up, and the best response of player one, if player two chooses right, is, well, either up or down will do, right? Because either way he gets, uh, or she gets zero. So these are both best responses. Is that correct? They're both best responses, they both do equally well. All right, and uh, conversely, player two, uh, player two's best response, if player one chooses up, is sure enough to choose left. And that's kind of the answer we'd like to have, but unfortunately, when Player One plays down, Player Two's best response is either left or right. It makes no difference; they get zero either way. All right. Okay. So, what are the Nash equilibria in this game? What are the Nash equilibria in this game? So, notice: first observation is there's more than one Nash equilibrium in this game. All right? We haven't seen that before. All right. There's a Nash equilibrium with everybody in the room, I think, I hope, thinks is kind of the sensible prediction in this game. Right? In this game, I think all of you, I hope, all of you if you are player one would choose up and all of you if you are player two would choose left. Is that right? Is that correct? Right, it's, just make, it, 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 it's hard to imagine coming up with an argument that wouldn't lead you to choose up and left in this game. All right? However, unfortunately, unfortunately, that, that isn't, this isn't unfortunate, up, left. Is an Nash equilibrium, but so is downright. Right? If player two is choosing right, your best response weakly is to choose down. If player one is choosing down, player two's best response weakly is to choose right. right? And here, we, here we're, we're, this is uh, arriving because of the definition of Nash, it, it, it's a very de- definite definition. When we, when we looked at the it now. When we looked at the definition, we said, something is a Nash equilibrium, as each person is playing a best response to each other. Another way of saying that is, no player has a strict incentive to, to deviate. No player can do strictly better by moving away. So here at downright, player one doesn't do strictly better, it's just a tie if she moves away. And player two doesn't do strictly better if he moves away, it's a tie, he gets zero either way. So here we have something which is gonna worry us going on in the course. Sometimes we're getting, not only are we getting many, many Nash equilibria, that's, 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 that's something which shouldn't worry us, it's a fact of life. But in this case, one of the Nash equilibria seems silly. Right? I mean, if you, if, you, if you went and tried to explain to your roommates and said, you know, I predict both of these outcomes in this game, they'd laugh at you. It's obvious, in some sense, that this has to be the sensible prediction. All right, so just a sort of worrying note uh, before we move on. Okay, so this was pretty formal and kind of uh, not very exciting so far, so let's try and uh, move on to something a little bit more fun. Okay? So what I what I want to do now is I want to look at a different game. Again, we're going to try and find Nash Equilibria in this game, but we're going to do more than that. We're going to talk about the game a bit. And a feature of this game, which is uh, to, to distinguish it from what we've done so far, is the game we're about to look at involves many players, or, although each player only has a few strategies. All right? So what I want to do is I want to convince you how to find, to, to discuss how to find Nash Equilibria in a game which, unlike these games, doesn't just have two players, it has many players, but fortunately, not many strategies per player, all right? So let me use this board. All right, so this is going to be called the investment game. And we're going to play this game, although not for real. All right, so the players in this game As I've just suggested, the players are going to be you. All right, so everyone who was getting sleepy just looking at this kind of analysis should wake up now, you have to play. All right, and the strategies in this game are very simple. The strategy sets, or the strategy alternatives. Each of you can choose between investing nothing, in a class project, zero, or invest ten dollars. All right. So I'm sometimes going to refer to investing nothing as not investing. Is that okay? Right. It seems like a natural thing. So, uh, so you're either going to invest ten dollars or nothing. I, you're not going to invest. All right. So that's the players, and those are the strategies. So as usual, we're missing something. What we're missing are the payoffs. So here are the payoffs. So the payoffs as follows: uh, if you don't invest, if you do not invest, i.e., you invest nothing, then your payoff is zero. Right? So nothing ventured, nothing gained. Right? Natural thing. Right? But if you do invest. invest $10, remember each of you is gonna be investing $10, then your individual payoffs are as follows. Here's the good news. You're gonna get a profit of $5. The way this is gonna work is you're gonna have invested $10, so you'll make a gross profit of 15 minus the 10 you originally invested for a net of five. Ever understand, right? So a net profit, so $5 net profit That's the good news, but that requires more than 90% of the class to invest. Greater than or equal to 90% of the class to invest. If if more than 90% of the class invest, you're going to make essentially 50% profit. And unfortunately, the bad news is you're going to lose your $10, get nothing back, right, so this is a net loss, if fewer than 90% of the class invest. All right, and we need a key rule here. You're not allowed to talk to each other. All right, no communication in the class. No hand signals, no secret winks, right, nothing else, all right? Okay. so everyone understand the game. Including up on the balcony. Everyone understand the game? All right. So what I want you to do, I should say, first of all, we can't play this game for real, because there's something like 250 in you, and I don't have that kind of cash line lying around. Right. So, we're not, so pretend we're playing this for real, OK? Pretend we're playing this for real. Right. So without communicating, I want each of you to write on the corner of your notepad whether you're going to invest or not. So you can write why if you're going to invest, and N if you're not going to invest. Don't discuss it with each other, just write down on the corner of your notepad Y if you're going to invest, and N if you're not going to invest. Don't, don't discuss it, guys, don't discuss it. All right, and now show, show your neighbor what you did, just so you can, your, your, your neighbor can make, me, make you honest. All right. Now, OK, let's have a show of hands. All right. So what I want to do is I want, I want to have a show of hands. Everybody who invested. Everyone invested. Don't look around. Just raise your hands. Everyone who invested and everyone who didn't invest. Oh, that's more than 10%. All right, let's, 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 let's do that again. So everyone who invested, raise their hands. Raise their hands. And everyone who didn't invest, raise their hands. So I don't know what that is. Maybe it's about half, about half. So now I'm thinking we should have played this game for real. <laughs> I wanted to get some discussion going about this. Right? Well, I, I'm, I'm going wanting to discuss this for a while. There's a lot to be said about this game. Uh, let me borrow that. Can I borrow this? All right. So uh, this guy. OK, so what did you do? I invested. You're, why did you invest? Because uh, I think I can lose $10. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. All right. So he's rich. That's okay. It's okay. You can, you can pay for lunch. That's all right. That's all right. All right. Who didn't invest? Non-investors. Yeah. So here's one. So Okay. So, so why didn't you invest? Shout it out so everyone can hear. Um, I didn't invest because I because to make a profit, there needs to be at least a two-to-one chance that everyone else, that 90% invests. All right. You mean, you mean to make an expected profit? Yeah. You, you only get... Half back, but you'd lose the whole thing. I see. Okay, okay. So you're doing some kind of expected calculation. Uh, Other reasons? Other reasons out there? Uh, What did did you do? Uh, I invested. You invested. I'm I'm finding the suckers on the run. Okay, so you invested. Uh, And why? Because you stand to gain something. I don't see why anybody would just not invest, because they they would never gain anything. All right. So so, so, your name is? Clayton. So Clayton's saying, only by investing can I gain something here? Not investing seems kind of... You know, doesn't seem uh, brave in some sense. Anyone else? Yeah. Um, it's basically the same game as the one-one-zero-zero game uh, in terms; they're both Nash equilibria. Uh-huh. Um, but the payoffs aren't like the same scale. Um, and uh, yeah, you'd have to be really risk-averse not to invest. So I thought people so, would be. So you invested. I invested. Yeah. All right. All right. So let me let me give this to I let drop the sound system here. Okay, so we've got different answers out there. Do people, can people hear each other's answers a bit? Yeah, yeah? So we have lots of different views out here. We have half the people investing and half the people not investing, roughly. And I think you can make arguments either way, all right? So we'll come back to whether it's exactly the same as the game we just saw. So the argument that, uh, I'm sorry, your, your name, that Patrick made is it looks a lot like the game we saw before, we'll, well, we'll see, it is related. Clearly, it's related in one sense, which we'll discuss now. So, um, Actually, maybe I need this thing again. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, what are the Nash equilibria in this game? What are the Nash equilibria in this game? All right. Uh, we, we, can, we can record someone's phone message, but in the meantime, what are the, what are the Nash equilibria in this game? Yeah, yeah, let me get the woman up here. Yeah. Uh, no one invests and everyone's happy that they didn't lose anything, or everyone invests and everyone's happy. Good, good. So, I've, got, I've forgotten your name. Kate. So, Kate's saying... That there are two Nash equilibria, and I, with apologies to Jude, I'm going to put this on the board. All right, there are two Nash equilibria here. All right, one is all invest, all invest, and another one is no one invest. All right, these are both Nash equilibria in this game. Let's just check that they are, exactly the argument that, that, that Kate said, that if everyone invests, then no one would have any regrets, everyone's best response would be to invest. And if nobody invests, then uh, everyone would be happy not to have invested, that would be a best response. It's Just in terms, terms of what Patrick said, it is a game with two equilibria like the previous game, and that there are other similarities to the previous game, but it's a little bit of, the equilibria in this case are, are not, quite the same as the other game. and the, the other game, that other equilibrium, the zero-zero equilibrium, seemed like a silly equilibrium. It isn't like we'd ever predict it happening. Whereas here, the the equilibrium with nobody investing right, actually is quite a plausible equilibrium. Right? If, 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 no, if I think no one else is investing, then I strictly prefer not to invest. Is that right? Is that right? OK. So two remarks about this. Uh, I want to do more before I do two remarks. Um, yeah, well, well, let's have one rock at least. How do we find those Nash equilibria? What was our sophisticated mathematical technique for finding the Nash equilibria in this game? So I should, we should uh, take can you, can you get the mic on? on uh, is it Kate? Uh, Kate, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So how did you find the Nash equilibria? Uh, I looked for the only two places where um, there's no regrets. All right, so so in principle, you could have something, I mean, uh, that, that works, but in principle, you could have looked at every possible combination, and there's lots of possible combinations. It could have been a combination where you know 1% invested and 99% didn't, and 2% invested and 98% didn't, and so on and so forth. All right. We could have checked rigorously what everyone's best response was in each case, but what, what do we actually end up doing in this game? What's the method? Yeah, we uh, uh, me get the guy in. in. Yeah? Uh, you only consider situations where your action can have a different outcome, and those only occur when everyone's investing or no one's investing. That's true, so that certainly makes it easier. I claim, however, I mean, you're, being, you're both of you being uh, more rigorous and more mathematical than I'm tempted to be here. I think the easy method here, uh, the easy sophisticated math here is to, is to guess. All right? My guess is the easy thing to do is to guess what's likely to be in equilibrium here, and then what? And then check. All right. So a good method here in these games <laughs> is to guess and check. And guess and check is really not a bad way to try and find Nash an equilibrium. The reason it's not a bad way is because checking is fairly easy. All right? Guessing is hard. You might miss something. There might be a Nash equilibrium hidden under a stone somewhere. Oh, right? No, it's not a stone. In America, it's a rock. It's hidden under a rock somewhere. All right. All right. But checking that something that you. Some, some putative equilibrium, some candidate equilibrium. Checking whether it is an equilibrium is easy because all you have to do is check that nobody wants to move away and one wants to deviate. Right? So I think in, in practice, that's what you're gonna end up doing in this game. And it turns out to be very easy to guess and check, which is why you're able to find it. Right? So guess and check is a very useful method in these games where there are lots and lots of players but not many strategies per player. It works pretty well. All right. Okay, now, We've got this game up on the board. I want to spend a while discussing it because it's kind of important. So what I want to do now is I want to remind ourselves what happened just now. So what happened just now, uh, can, we, can we raise the yeses again, the invest again? And raise the not investors, not investes and I want to remind you guys you all owe me 10 bucks, all right? All right? And what I want to do is I want to play it again. Right? No communication. Write down again on the corner of your notepad what you're going to do. Don't communicate. Don't communicate, you guys. All right. Show your neighbour. All right. And now we're going to poll again. So, uh, ready? Without, without cheating, without looking around you. If you invested, all right. Let, let, uh, let, let Jude get a good view of you. If you invested, raise your hand now. <laughs> and if you didn't invest, if you didn't invest, okay, okay. All right. Can I look at the investors again? Just raise your hands honestly. Alright, we've got a few investors still. So these guys really owe me money now. That's good. Alright. Alright, let's do it again. Alright, third time. Third time. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. So third time, write that right down. And pretend this is real cash. Alright? Now, if you invested the third time, raise your hand. Alright, we got All right, <laughs> right. there's a few suckers born every day, but basically. <laughs> Alright? So where are we heading here? Where are we heading pretty rapidly? Right. We're heading towards an equilibrium. Right? Just let's make sure we uh, let's confirm that. So everyone who didn't invest that third time, raise your hands. Right? That's pretty close. That show of hands is pretty close to a Nash equilibrium strategy. Is that right? Is that right? So here's an example of a third reason, something we already mentioned last time, but a third reason why we might be interested in Nash equilibria. There are certain circumstances in which play converges, in a natural sense not in the formal sense, but in the natural sense, to an equilibrium. Right? And we were, with the exception of a few dogged people who want to pay for my lunch, almost everyone else was converging to an equilibrium there, all right? So play converged fairly rapidly to the Nash equilibrium, all right? Well, we discussed there were two Nash equilibria in this game, uh, is one of these Nash equilibria, ignoring me for a second, is one of these Nash equilibria better than the other? Yeah, clearly the, the everyone investing Nash equilibrium is the better one. Is that right? Everyone agree? Everyone investing is a better Nash equilibrium for everyone in the class than everyone not investing. Is that correct? Is that correct? Nevertheless, where we were converging in this case was what? Where we were converging was the bad equilibrium. Right? We were converging rapidly to a very bad equilibrium, an equilibrium which, which no one gets in which all that money is left on the table, right? So how can that be? How do we converge to this bad equilibrium? To be a bit more formal, the bad equilibrium, the no invest equilibrium here, is Pareto dominated by the good equilibrium. Everybody is strictly better off at the good equilibrium than at the bad equilibrium, it Pareto dominates, Right? To use an expression that you probably learned in 150 or 115, Right. Nevertheless, we're going to the bad one. We're heading to the bad equilibrium. Why did we end up going to the bad equilibrium rather than the good equilibrium? Yeah, uh, can, can we get the guy in in, in grey? Yeah. Well, it was a it was a bit of a bear market for investors, wasn't it? Just now, you mean? All right. It's okay. So, say what you mean a bit more. So yeah, that's good. So, say a bit more. Um, so it seemed like it seemed like people people didn't have a lot of confidence that. Um, That other people were were going to invest. And so it became a a successively um, less desirable option to invest. All right. All right. So so one way of saying that was when we started out, we were roughly even, roughly half half, but that was already bad for the people who invested. All right. And then, so so we, we started out at half half, which was below that critical threshold of 90%. Is that right? And from then on in, we just tumbled down. All right. So one way to say this, and uh, uh, one way to think about that, is it may matter, in this case, where we started, right? Suppose the first time we played the game in this class this morning, suppose that 93% of the class had invested, in which case those 93% would all have made money, right? Now, my guess is, I can't prove this, my guess is we might have converged the other way and converged up to the good equilibrium. Does that make sense? Yeah? So people, people figured out that they, people who didn't invest the first time, actually they, they, they played the best response to the class, so they stayed put. And those of you who did invest, a lot of you started not investing as you got caught up in this, this spiral downward, and we ended up not investing. But had we started off above the critical threshold, the threshold here is 90%, and had you made money the first time around, then it would have been the non-investors that would have regretted their choice, and they might have switched into investing. And we might, I'm not saying we necessarily, but we might have gone the other way. Yeah, let me get a mic on. 30, 70 thing, where 70% invested? Yeah, is so that's that a good question. So suppose we've been close to the threshold, but below. So I don't know is the answer, obviously, because we didn't do the experiment. But it seems likely that the, higher, the closer we got to the threshold, the better chance there would have been of going up. My guess is, is this a guess? My guess is if we started below the threshold, we'd probably have come down, and if we started above the threshold, we'd probably have gone up. But that's not a theorem, I'm just, I'm just speculating on what might have happened. I'm speculating on your speculations. All right. So here we have a game with two equilibria, one is good, one is bad. One is really quite bad, it's Pareto dominated. All right? And notice that what happened here, the way we, we spiral down, coincides with something we've we talked about Nash national equilibrium already. It coincides with this idea of a self-fulfilling p- prediction. A self-fulfilling prediction. Provided you think other people are not going to invest, you're not going to invest. So it's a self-fulfilling prediction to take you down to not investing. Conversely, provided everyone thinks everyone else is going to invest, then you're gonna go up to the good equilibrium. And I, th- that I think corresponds to what the gentleman said in the middle about a bear market versus a bull market. Right? It was a bear market, it looked like everyone else didn't have confidence in everyone else investing, and then that was a self-fulfilling prophecy, and we ended up with no investment. All right, all right. Okay, now we've seen bad outcomes in the class before. For example, the very first day, we saw a prisoner's dilemma. Right? But I claim that though we're getting a bad outcome here in the class, this is not a prisoner's dilemma. Right? Why is this not a prisoner's dilemma? What's different between, I mean, both games have an equilibrium which is bad. Prisoner's dilemma has the bad equilibrium where nobody tidies their room or both guys go to jail. But I claim this is not a prisoner's dilemma. Let, let, uh, I'll get the guys two behind you. Yeah. No one suffers, but no one gets any fun in this. OK, so maybe the outcome isn't quite so bad. That's fair enough. But I could have made it worse, right? I could have made it sort of, uh, you know, um, I could have made that, I, I could have lowered the payoffs until they were pretty bad. What, why else is this not a prisoner's dilemma? The, the woman who's behind you. Because there's no strictly dominant strategy. Good, good. So in prisoner's dilemma, playing alpha was always a best response. What led us to the bad outcome in prisoner's dilemma? Was that alpha, the the uh, the defense strategy, the, the the non-cooperative strategy, the not helping tidy your room strategy, was always the best thing to do? Here, in some sense, the good thing, the moral thing, in some sense, is to invest. But it's not the case that not investing dominates investing. In fact, if other people invest in the room, you want to invest. Is that right? Right. So this is this is a, this is a social problem, but it's not a social problem of the form of a prisoner's dilemma. All right. So what kind of problem is this? What kind of social problem is this? The guy in front of you. Uh, perhaps it's one of uh, cooperation. It's one of, okay, so it's, it, it would help if people cooperated here, but I'm looking for a different term. A term that came up the first day. Coordination, this is a coordination game. those people who read The New Yorker, I'll put an umlaut over the second. It's a coordination game. OK? All right. So why is it a coordination game? Because you'd like everyone in the class to coordinate their responses on invest. All right? And in fact, if they did that, then everyone would be happy. Right? And no one would have an incentive to defect. That would, in fact, be an equilibrium. But unfortunately, quite often, we fail to have coordination either either everyone, well, this is a form of coordination, either everyone plays not invest or as happened the first time in the class, we get some split with people losing money. All right, so I claim that actually, this is not a rare thing in society at all. There are lots of coordination problems in society. There are lots of things that look like coordination games, and often, in coordination games, bad outcomes result. And I want to spend most of the rest of today talking about that, because I think it's important. Right? Whether, you're, whether you're an economist or whatever. So let's talk about it a bit. What else has the structure of a coordination game and therefore can have the outcome that people can be uncoordinated or can coordinate in the wrong place and you end up in a bad equilibrium? What else, has, what else looks like this? Let's, let's collect some ideas here. I've got, no, I've got a hand way at the back. Uh, can, you, can you get the guy who's just way, way, way at the back, right up against the... Yes, there you go. Great, thank you. Wait till the mic gets to you and then yell. Yeah. Uh, like a party on campus can be a coordination game. Yeah, good, good, OK. So a party on campus is a coordination game because what? It, because you have to coordinate at being at the same place. Is that right? That, that, that's the idea you had? You had that, uh, go ahead, go ahead. The thing is, like, if, uh, if not very many people are coming, the people that did come are not going okay. to enjoy it. But if a lot of people do come, then it will be good for everybody. Good, good, good. Okay, that's that, that, that's good. Good. So that's another way in which there's two ways in which a party can be a, can be a coordination problem. One is the problem that if people don't show up. It's a lousy party, so you don't want to show up. Conversely, if everyone's showing up, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's the place to be, and everyone wants to show up. And second, so there's two equilibria there: showing up and everyone not showing up, or everyone showing up. And uh, similar idea, uh, the location of parties, which I thought you were driving up, but it's a similar idea, can, can occur. So it used to be the case in New Haven uh, that there were different, actually there aren't many anymore, but there used to be different bars around campus, none of which you're allowed to go to, so you don't know about. But anyway, lots of different bars around campus, and there's a coordination game where people coordinate on Friday night, or to be more honest, for graduate students, typically Thursday night. <laughs> All right? All right? So it used to be the case that one of those bars downtown was where the drama school people coordinated, and another one was where the economists uh, c- coordinated. And it was pretty really good equilibrium that they didn't coordinate at the same place. All right? All right? So one of the things you have to learn when you go to a new town is where is the meeting point for, for, for the kind of party I want to go to? And again, that, that, you can have a failure of coordination, everyone's wandering around the town getting mugged. All right? All right? <laughs> What other things look like coordination problems like that? So again, way back in the corner there. Uh, there's Somebody right behind you. There you go. You have to really shout now. Um, maybe warring parties in a civil war are signing a treaty. Okay, that could be. A, so that I'm, I'm, could be a coordination problem. It has a it has a feeling of being a bit prisoner's dilemma-ish. In some sense, in some sense my disarming, uh, my putting down my arms before you putting down your arms, that kind of thing. So it could be a coordination problem, but it, it has a little bit of a flavour of both. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, if you want. Okay, 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 other, other examples. There's a, there's a guy uh, there, wait, 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 while you're there, why don't you get the guy behind you? Uh, there, on the, by the door, there you go, great. Uh, at a sports arena, people deciding whether or not they want to start a chant for whatever team? Yeah, okay, okay, I'm not quite sure which is the good outcome or the bad outcome. So there's this thing called the wave, there's this thing called the wave that Americans insist on doing, and I guess they think that's the good outcome. <laughs> all right, all right, other things, other things. Yeah, there's a, um, wait till I get, to see, yeah, good. Battle of the Sexes. Let's come back to that one. Right, let's hold that thought and we'll come back to it next time. You're right, that's a good, that's a coordination one, but let's, let's come back to it next time. All right, and anything else, anything else? Let me try and, let me try and uh, expand on some of these meeting place ideas. We talked about pubs to meet at or parties to meet at, but think about online sites. Online sites which are chat sites or dating sites or whatever, right, those, are, uh, those online sites uh, uh, clearly, have the same feature of a party. Right? You want people to coordinate on the on the same site, all right? All right? Let me get some other. What about some other economic ideas? What about some other I- ideas from economics? What else has that kind of externality, like a, like a meeting place? Uh, yeah, yeah. Can we get, can we get him? Uh, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's excluding some people, but things like newspapers or something like we want might want only one, like global news site. All right, so so that's an interesting thought because it can go both ways. It could be a bad thing only to have one newspaper for obvious reasons. But in terms of having a good conversation about what was in the newspaper yesterday around the, the, uh, uh, you know, over lunch, it helps everyone read the same thing. And certainly there's a bandwagon effect to this with TV shows. If everybody in America watches the same TV show, which apparently is American Idol these days, then uh, you can all talk about it over lunch. Notice that's a really horrible place to coordinate. There are similar examples to the American Idol example. When I was growing up in England, uh, uh, again, I'm going to reveal my age, uh, everybody decided that to be an in-person in England, you had to wear flared trousers, right? Right? This was, and and, and so to be in, you had to wear flared trousers. This is a horrible coordination problem, right? right? So for people who don't believe that could ever have happened in England, you could ever have these sort of fashion goods that you end up at a horrible equilibrium at the wrong place, you don't believe that could ever happen, think about the entirety of the Midwest. All right? Mm -hmm. I I didn't say that. We're going to cut that off of the film later. All right? What else is like this? What else is like this? Getting a few ideas, let's get this gentleman here. The establishment of monopolies, like say like because like, a lot of people use Microsoft, say then then everything is compatible with Microsoft, so more people good. want to use it. Good. So that so uh, I've forgotten your name. So, Steven? So Steven's pointing out that certain software uh, can can act this way by being a network good. The more people who use Microsoft uh, and Microsoft programs, the bigger the advantage to me using Microsoft. All right, and therefore, because uh, I can exchange programs, I can exchange uh, uh, files if I'm working with my co-authors and so on, and so you can have different equilibria coordinating on different software, and again, you could end up at the wrong one. I think a lot of people would argue, but I'm gonna stay neutral on this, a lot of people would argue that Microsoft wasn't necessarily the best place for the world to end up. All right, there are other technological network goods like this. These are called network externalities. An example here would be high-definition television, right? You wanna have one technological standard that everyone agrees on, for things like high-definition televisions, because then everyone can produce uh, TV to that standard and, and uh, goods that go along with that standard. And of course, it matter, each, each company who's producing a TV and has a standard mind would like theirs to be chosen as the standard. And again, you could end up at the wrong place. You could end up at a bad equilibrium there. All right. How about political bandwagons? Right In politics, particularly in primaries, there may be an advantage Uh, on the the Democratic side or on the Republican side, in having you all vote for the same candidate in the primary so they get this big boost and it doesn't seem like your party's split and so on, right? And that could end up, and again, I'm going to remain neutral on this, it just could end up with the wrong candidate winning, right? There's a political bandwagon effect. The person who wins New Hampshire and Iowa tends then to win everything. All right, all right. So that's another example. Any other uh, economic examples? Uh, Yeah, there's, there's, uh, can can we get this guy in here? Listing on a, sc- a stock exchange? Yeah, okay, so, so in, in, particular, in particular, which stock exchange to list on, all right? So, so there's, there's a huge advantage in having lots of stocks on the same uh, stock exchange. There are shared fixed costs. There's also liquidity issues, all right, and, and, and lots of issues that, uh, uh, of that form, mostly mostly of the form of fixed costs. So there's a, a tendency to end up with one stock exchange. We're not there yet, but we do seem to be going that way quite rapidly, all right? The problem, of course, being that might not be the best stock exchange, or it might give that stock exchange monopoly power. Let me give one more. Let me throw out one more example. What about bank runs? What's a bank run? What's a bank run? Somebody? Uh, uh, yeah. Can we get, get this guy? What's a bank run? Uh, it's when. Uh, to, try, yeah. When? Uh, oh, sorry. When the pu- <laughs> when the public uh, loses confidence in um, this their security. Uh, of, of their money in banks, then they rush to to withdraw the deposits. So. so you imagine a bank as a natural case where there's two equilibria. There's a good equilibrium. Everyone has confidence in the bank. Everyone leaves their deposits in the bank. The bank uh, is then able to lend some of that money out and earn a higher rate of interest on it. The bank doesn't want to keep all those, all that money locked up in the vault. It wants to, be able to uh, uh, lend it out uh, to to lenders who can pay interest. Right? that's a good uh, that's a good equilibrium for everybody. However, If people lose confidence in the bank and start drawing their deposits out, then the bank hasn't got enough cash in its vault to cover those deposits, and the bank goes under. All right, now I used to say at this point in the class, none of you will ever have seen a bank run because they stopped happening in America more or less around the mid-30s. There were lots and lots of bank runs in America before the 1930s, but since uh, federal deposit insurance came in, there's far fewer. However, I really can't say that today because there's a bank run going on right now. Right, there's a background going on actually in England with a company called Northern Security, uh, no, Northern Rock it's called, uh, Northern Rock, as we speak. Right? And it really is a bank run. I mean, it, it, uh, if you if you looked at the newspaper yesterday on the New York, New York Times, you'll see a line of depositors lined up outside the offices in London of this bank, trying to get their deposits out. And you see the Bank of England trying to intervene to restore confidence. And just to be clear, this isn't simple. This isn't a simple case of being about the the mortgage crisis. This bank it does do mortgages, but it doesn't seem to be particularly involved in the kind of mortgages that have been attracting all the publicity. It really seems to be a a, a shift in confidence, a move from the good of everyone remaining invested to the bad equilibrium of everyone taking their money out. Hang on a second. Okay. Now, there are famous bank runs in American culture. What, in the movies, anyway. What is the famous bank run in the movies, in American movies? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a wonderful life all right? There's actually there's one in Mary Poppins as well, but we'll do It's a Wonderful Life. How, how many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life? How many of you have not seen It's a Wonderful Life? There's a poll here, right? how many people have not seen It's a okay, Wonderful Life? Keep your hands up a second. Keep your hands up. You, you, need to, you need to know that if you're on a green card, you can lose your green card if you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life. Okay? <laughs> All right. So in It's a Wonderful Life, there's a run on the bank. Actually, it's a saving and loan, but never mind. We'll think of it as a bank. All right. And luckily, uh, it doesn't end up with the saving and loan or, or bank going under. Why doesn't the bank go under? in It's a Wonderful Life. Why doesn't it go under? Yeah, the guy in green. Can we get the guy in green? Yeah. Um, Everyone agrees uh, to only take uh, as much as they need and not to take out their entire deposit. All right, so if people didn't hear it, everyone agrees only to take out a small amount, perhaps even nothing, uh, and therefore the bank run ends. Everyone realizes the bank isn't gonna collapse and they're happy to leave their money in the bank. Now, it's true everyone agrees, but why do they agree? What makes them agree? What makes them agree is Jimmy Stewart, right? right? Everyone remember the movie, right? So Jimmy Stewart gets up there, and he says, he gives a speech, and he says, look, more or less, I mean, he doesn't say it in these words, but he would have done it if he'd taken the class. He says, look, there are two equilibria in this game. <laughs> I, I can't do the, uh, whatever it is, West Pennsylvania accent, whatever it is. Is that where it's from? Anyway, but uh, there are two glimmers in this game. There's a bad one where we all draw our money out and we all lose our homes eventually, and there's a good one where we all leave our money in, and that's better for everyone, so let's all leave our money in. Right? That's, but he, he gives this, right, he, he's, he's a bit more motivationally stimulating than me, right? But he, he, he leads to people not in, uh, leaving their money in. So what I want to do is I want to pick on somebody in the class now Everyone understands this game. Everyone understands there's two equilibria. Everyone understands that one equilibrium's better. Let's play the game again. Let's choose the game again. But before I do, I'm going to give the mic to Patrick here. And Patrick is going to have uh, exactly uh, five seconds to persuade you. Get stand, stand up, stand up, stand up. Patrick's going to have five seconds to persuade you, well, whatever he likes. He can figure your he likes, starting now. OK, so clearly, if we all invest, we'll all be better off. So everyone should invest. All right, all right. Now let's see if this is gonna work. Let's have a round of applause for Patrick. Okay. So let's see what happens now. Everybody, everybody, oh, we haven't got time to write it down. Everyone who's gonna invest, raise their hands. Everyone who's gonna invest, raise their hands. And everyone who's not investing, raise their hands. Oh, and we almost made it. We must have almost made it. All right? So, so notice what happened here. Let's give another round of applause for Patrick. I think he did a good job there. But there's a lesson here. Right? The lesson here is the game didn't change. It's the same game that we've played three times already. This was the fourth time we played it. We had a totally different response in playing this time. right? right? Almost all of you, the vast majority of you, perhaps even 90% of you, invested this time. Right? And you did so in response to Patrick. But Patrick wasn't putting any money down. He wasn't bribing you. He wasn't writing a contract with you. He wasn't threatening to break your legs. He just was pointing out it's a good idea. Right? Now remember the prisoner's dilemma. In the Prisoner's Dilemma, if Patrick Patrick could have got up in the Prisoner's Dilemma and given the same speech and said, look, guys, we're all better off if we choose beta in the Prisoner's Dilemma than if we choose alpha, right? Roughly the same speech. And what would you have done in the Prisoner's Dilemma? You'd have all chosen alpha anyway, right? So Patrick trying to persuade you, or Patrick communicating to you that you do better by choosing beta in the Prisoner's Dilemma doesn't work. But here, don't, don't, don't go yet, here it does work. Why does Patrick? Why is Patrick persuasive in this game, but he isn't persuasive in The Prisoner's Dilemma? Yeah, can we get the, the mic on, on, on uh, Katie again? Yeah? Why is Patrick persuasive in this game and not before? He's not trying to persuade us to play a strictly dominated strategy. He's not trying to get you to play a strictly dominated strategy, and more than that, he's trying to persuade you to play what? To play a Nash equilibrium. Right? So there's a lesson here: in coordination problems, unlike prisoner's dilemma, unlike prisoner's dilemma, communication just communication, no contract communication can help. And in particular, what we can persuade each other to do is to play the other Nash equilibrium. And this gives us one more motivation for a Nash equilibrium. In a president's dilemma, to get out of it, we needed a contract. We needed side payments. We needed to change the payoffs of the game. But a Nash equilibrium can be a self-enforcing agreement. The Nash equilibrium can be self-enforcing agreements. We can agree that we're going to play invest in this game, and indeed, we will play invest without any side payments, without anybody threatening to break your leg, without any contracts, without any regulation or the law. I'm assuming Patrick isn't that violent, all right? We're gonna end up uh, doing the right thing here because it's in our own interest to do so. All right, all right, so coordination problems, which are, we've, I, we've agreed are all over society, whether it comes to bank runs or bubbles, haven't talked about that, bubbles in the market, or fashion in the Midwest, they're all over society. Communication, can make a difference. And we'll pick that theme up on Monday.